and what was cool about it is that you had to have at least a million dollars in sales at that time. This was a long time ago because I went to a million dollars fast after a few years in business and they helped with just some of the basics, like how to be an owner, how to be a CEO. Like I was missing all these basics. I really was. Hey there, my name's Dominica, and I'm obsessed with all things business and personal growth. Think of this podcast as a landing place for you to learn about all things business, marketing, money, health, and so much more. There's nothing on this podcast we shy away from, so grab your coffee, grab some headphones, and get ready to be challenged to become the best version of yourself. This is the Hustle, Heart, and Vision podcast. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. I am so excited to have you on. I think that listeners are going to have so much to take away from what you teach. So I love to start every podcast episode with an icebreaker question. So the first question I have for you is, what makes you feel inspired and like your best self? Oh, wow. That's a great one. What makes me feel inspired? I am inspired by my greater why which is just to be of help to help people. So I'm, I'm inspired every day just to help. And what makes you feel like your best self? Because I am my best self. Oh! My best self. It's like an evolution. I love so that. It's like your best self and then the bestest, bestest, bestest self. Like you're constantly going up that self-improvement ladder to be the most greatest to the nth power. <laughs> I love that. I love that math reference. <laughs> okay. And so can you tell the audience who you are, what you do, and just share a little bit about yourself? Yes. So my name is Kizzy Parks. I adore being an entrepreneur, helping people, and just also introducing people to the amazing world of government contracting. So directly out of graduate school, I started my flagship company, KPC, and over the past 10 plus years, been awarded over $50 million in federal government contracts. So I'm at this place now because I'd love to help. And I noticed so many people don't really know about government contracting. So now I'm in this place where I help just introduce, assist, bring amazing curly hair to those who are potentially interested or want to learn more about bringing on the federal government as a paid client. Wow. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about your business, GovCon Winners, and how you help service-based small businesses? Yeah, definitely. So it has evolved over time where initially I was, I thought, oh, I'm gonna put out this digital product like everybody else. And I realized that's not what I wanna do and that doesn't really feel right. So right now, most of all of my amazing knowledge and expertise is on my YouTube channel, all around GovCon winners, all around every topic around government contracting. There's a group of people that I work with privately 
to help them learn more, get signed up, figure out how to expand into the federal government market. So as of right now, I have those who I work with privately. I have all the social media that I'm putting out there. And that's my big push is just to continuously offer more things for free. So that's the, the premise for GovCon winners is really to help people and way down the line, I pro I'll release something special. But right now, what's important is really helping because most don't even think about federal government contracting or they have a lot of myths around what the government purchases. Yeah, I actually was interested in that personally because I had a mentor a year ago when I was going through an internship with a startup company in in the tech space tell me about federal contracts and then I initially was looking at them because I had built a business that I put in front of investors and then it fell off so how does that process work really and helping find someone helping someone find federal contracts yeah, definitely. I always like to take a step back and I begin with, are you looking to be an expert or an entrepreneur? If you're looking to be an expert and there's an area that you're like, look, I'm the best accountant, cybersecurity trainer, janitorial person. <laughs> if that's you, then the approach that you would take would be as follows is identifying government contractors, there's tons of free websites you can do this, and you would reach out to them via the phone and email, and you call and email, and you call and email, and you LinkedIn them to see if they need someone like yourself to serve in a subject matter expertise, like a 1099 kind of position, because these companies are already set up, and often they may be looking for someone, they just haven't posted it online, or maybe just the stars align and bam, this opportunity comes together. And that's how I started out in many ways, where people would see where an agency would have a need for what I provided. And at that time, it was a lot of diversity and inclusion training. And I have a PhD in industrial organizational psychology. So they would pair me with a prime contractor who then had everything in place so that they could easily get to me, as they say in the government. For those of you who are entrepreneurial, the sky's the limit. The government purchases everything from kosher potato chips to religious services to hotel rooms to cybersecurity to IT to laptops to janitorial services. They, they buy everything. So if you're entrepreneurial, the steps for you to actually become a prime contractor, meaning you are the main person, you hold the, the contract. In order, in order to do that, you which you should be for the most part, but if not, you just make sure you're legally set up. You have an EIN number, you're registered in whichever state you need to be registered in, and then from there, you're going to register in the SAM.gov system. They're gonna ask different questions, they're gonna ask for your driver's license and things of that nature, and then once you're registered in SAM, you'll get these additional identification codes and then you're off to the races. 
So then that allows you to legally have a prime contract for many of the opportunities that are out there. So once again, it's about which path do you want to take? And I would also add, if, if you're interested in federal government contracting, is you also have to reflect on yourself and that there's thousands and thousands of agencies in the federal government. So you have to be comfortable with their mission and their vision and what they're doing. So if it's something that you're gonna have an issue with, then don't get involved in federal government contracting or don't bid on work with certain types of agencies. That was so informative, but it leads me to another question. What if someone is a coach? Like if they're a business coach or a life coach, are there any possibilities for someone who does coaching? Yes, the federal government spends a lot on training and development. So when I first started out, in many ways, I was this diversity and inclusion expert, but then it also involved training and coaching. So for instance, there was an opportunity that came up where a Department of Defense agency wanted in-person training. And so I then layered it with an assessment because they really liked that, it really highlighted that IO psychology background of mine. And then they also wanted coaching. So I brought in a colleague of mine to coach because coaching is not my big area of expertise. Uh, my companies have won a lot of work in that area, but it's just not my personal um, area of strength. So the, the point is, just for that one company, that one agency, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on that effort. And they're not alone. There's a ton of different opportunities in the federal government where often they'll want some type of coaching paired with training or part of a year-long program. What's really important, and this doesn't just apply to those of you who may be some type of coach, but to anyone who's just you're very entrepreneurial, is when it comes to the federal government, often you have to sell it to them in the way that they want to buy it. And so you may sell a specific coaching, you have your plan, you got your program, it's amazing, you love it, that's your thing. The federal government may say, we want coaching, but we want coaching on communication, or we want coaching on writing emails, or we want coaching, there was one I came across, they want a retreat, six, a retreat for six people over two days, right? And so it's a matter of you listening to decide, okay, do I wanna do that or just wanna offer what I offer? And if you just wanna offer that thing that you offer, then it puts you back in that expert category. And so it may in some instances limit what you offer because there's a whole world of coaching. Typically the coaching I've come across in the federal government is usually soft skill based, but also they, pur they purchase a lot around Excel and Microsoft Word and different programs and softwares. So you could use that coaching term and techniques loosely to apply to the bigger family here of training, developing, development, skill closing, you know, skill developing. So there's a tons and tons of training, development, coaching opportunities out there. Okay, that was super, super insightful. 
And it makes me think now for, because I know that you said you have your PhD. Now for mm -hmm. these federal contracts, do a lot of these contracts require bachelor's or doctorate level type degrees? Or do people who maybe not have a bachelor's or working on their bachelor's or just entrepreneurs in general able to bid on these contracts? So what's great is to bid on a contract, you just have to meet the basic requirement. And to bid on a contract, the basic requirement is that you are in the SAM system. There may be times in which an opportunity is smaller. Like for instance, in my really early days, I was paid to speak for Women's Observance Month. And they paid, I don't remember if they paid on a credit card or ACH, but it was a small dollar amount. And so when it's a smaller acquisition, sometimes the rules are more flexible as far as where you, if you need to be in SAM or not. But as far as degrees go, you know, majority of people who are entrepreneurs don't have advanced degrees. So I'm in a very <laughs> kind of unique place over here. And what I have found, it's about value that you, they're looking for a professional to offer value. If they explicitly state that they're looking for certain degrees or certifications, typically that means they have somebody in mind. No different than a job description. If you see a job description where they have really specific requirements or unique degrees, in other words, they may already know who they wanna hire. And so the federal government works the same way. What's most important is that you are able to help them with whatever it is that they need help with. So you don't need a college degree to serve as a leadership coach or have served in the military or worked for federal government or have an ICF coaching certification. You don't need those things. However, comma, there may be times when they ask for certain things, but that's because they have somebody in mind. So there's a lot of options out there. Thank you for that. I think that a lot of people who are listening will feel a lot more enlightened to know that they can apply or bid for contracts and not have to have all of this criteria. And that leads me to my next question of what is your process in helping someone find a federal contract? Yeah, that's a great question. Step number one is the question about expert entrepreneur. That's number one. The second step is I'll go through with a person and show them different opportunities based on the mother money making idea matrix. So it's a matrix that I created where they're going to answer different questions to come up with the areas that they are interested in being paid for. Then we convert those over to what's called a it's this NAICS. It's a specific kind of ID that the federal government uses to classify training and IT and hotels and things of that nature. We'll go to SAM following that, SAM.gov, which is a free website, don't have to be registered. And I'll start to show them the types of opportunities are on there because again, what's really important is understanding the government may not purchase exactly how you're selling. So then you have to ask yourself, how do you want to handle that? But it's again, it's no different than an Amazon or other places of that nature. If you're offering purple socks and nobody's buying your purple socks, then that's a business decision you have to make. Are you still going to sell the purple socks because you love purple socks? 
cool, then don't make money. <laughs> Bottom line, same thing with federal government. They may want leadership training, but they don't want your leadership coaching and training. They may want it the way they want it, but they love you. So these are things that you have to explore. So once in SAM, you'll start to see. So you'll pull up, we'll pull up training, for instance, because that's one of my big areas, and I'll start to show them. For instance, recently there was a training for save a back training. That's important because you don't want to hurt your back when you're bending or doing things in the office or wherever you are. So they needed training for that. If you're entrepreneurial, you may say, hey, why not? I can find somebody online to provide this save a back training. Cool, why not? Others may say, I don't want to do that. I only focus in on emotional intelligence. Okay, great. Then let's keep moving on. But it at least gives a person an idea of what's out there. Then the next step is you have to understand how they are going to evaluate your proposal and what they're really looking for and to see if there's any code wording in there. Because then there's this other thing that'll happen in the government space, and I was very guilty of this early on, is you see all these opportunities and it's like the cereal aisle and it's, you lose your mind because I didn't know there were so many cereals. And you're like, oh my gosh, so many opportunities. I can do them all. And you start to see like dollar signs and you're just out of your mind. It's a cute phase. It's a fun phase. But it's not realistic. So then you have to also understand what are they really looking for? You can't literally buy all 500 types of cereal. It might be you really wanted to, or maybe you're making some big YouTube video or something like Mr. Beast. I could see that. But when it comes to the federal government, you're, you're not going to just go bid on everything. And also you have to understand, you go back to what makes sense for you. What do you like? No different than cereals. You have to look at that. So I help people understand what is the government really saying? What are the hidden language, any hidden language that's there? What are they really looking for? Are you positioned to do this? Like for instance, came across an opportunity for photography. Somebody said, I want, I'm interested in this, I do photography, and I'm like, that's great, but these are like two full-time equivalent people providing photography services. Are you prepared to take on two people as employees or 1099? <laughs> For some people, hey, yeah, why not? Others, they may, oh, well, I wanted to do the photography. Well, that's not what they're looking for. And so understanding that is really important so that you don't get your hopes up and you're like, oh my gosh, buy two, get one free cereal. And then you realize, mm -mm, that cereal's old, expired, you don't want that. So the same thing goes for government contracting. Then from there, work with people to be able to respond. Because the proposal's super important, but it's you gotta understand first. If you don't understand what you're getting involved in, then what use is a proposal? So help them with their proposal, help them with pricing, and then also help them once they submit it and then once they win, how to work with the clients. Because that is the biggest piece. People always said to me in my early days, you think the most challenging piece is the proposal writing or trying to get the client. They're like, they would say to me, the most important part of all of this and the real work begins when you get the client. That is so true in the federal government. That is hands down, all of the real work comes in because then you learn what's really going on. And so I help clients navigate that because in the federal government space, there's a lot of opportunity to have contracts for five years. 
for multiple years or to take that contract and grow it and do that and then repeat and help them build the pipeline and figure out if they like it, don't like it. That's the other thing in this space is you have to figure out, is this something that you like social media? Everyone's like, you should be on social media, you should be on there. If you really don't like it and you're okay with not being on there and any kind of outcomes that may come out of not being on social media, what's wrong with that? If that's your decision and that's what you want to do, by all means. The same thing goes for federal government. It's amazing. It's life-changing. It's allowed me to be semi-retired. But at the same time, is this a space for everyone? Hell no. It's not. It's not a space for everyone. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Thank you for going in depth on that because I think that exactly what you had explained that sometimes people can get so excited and then not really understand the meaning of what they're asking for. So even for me, it just made me reflect and think, oh, okay, like this is perfect. And now once you've found a federal contract that say your client likes that they want to bid on, what does the bidding process entail? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, that's a really good question. What does the bidding process entail? You better get your English writing skills ready. <laughs> Creative writing skills hat on. It involves you writing. In many ways, I'm like, wow, all of these damn writing assignments I had in graduate school prepared me for this. Because you, you spend all this time writing. The exception is for those bidding on products, usually it's more they're looking at price. But for services, which is you're providing people to provide the service, you write. So the bidding process entails, number one, you have to follow the instruction. I'm talking 12-point font, Times, New Roman, Arial, here are the margins. I need a cover sheet. I need a glossary. I need a table con. Like, very specific. And if you don't do that, they say, done, we're not looking at it. Because if you can't follow the instructions, then why would they want to work with you? If I order green socks and you send me a telescope, why am I ordering from you? Because clearly we got a miss, we got a disconnect here. So the same thing goes with them. So that's number one is you must write the response according to their instruction. If they say resumes two pages, don't give them three pages. If they say do not include marketing materials, don't include marketing materials. So that's number one. The second piece is you then have to answer their questions and there's a certain way, and I teach people, a certain way to set it up. So you basically, in this document, it's literally like a writing assignment. You are conveying to the federal government that, hey, you can trust us, here's how we're gonna do it, here's how we've done it, here's evidence that we've done it before, and here's how we're gonna do it for you. That's basically what you're doing. Sometimes they want three volumes, sometimes they want four volumes. Sometimes they say, hey, this is limited to five pages. Sometimes they say however many pages. I think the longest proposal I've ever submitted was a few hundred pages. <laughs> so it, it all varies. It literally all varies. And the page number has nothing to do with the dollar amount of the contract. Every agency is different. Every person is different. Every buyer is different. So you, you have understanding the requirement, adhering to any type of formatting expectations. Third is making sure that you craft the document to align with the winning writing strategies. Then from there, you wanna make sure 
that you meet what they're looking for. If they said, for instance, if they don't mention resumes, you don't put in a resume unless it's going to give you value. The other piece is with the federal government, you can't just pick up the phone. Hey, I want to talk to you about this coaching opportunity that you guys have at Department of Interior. You can't do that because there's these laws, federal acquisition regulations that oversee many government contracts. So as a result, if you have questions, you have to email them and typically they have a cutoff. So you will email the questions. They, they typically will put all the questions in a single document and then they'll blast them out to everyone who is bidding on it. So usually you have to go to sam.gov to see the Q&A and then you have to be prepared for that too because maybe the deadline is on the 17th and then based on the Q&A they change it to the 25th or perhaps initially they said no resumes and then they decide to and they say now we do want resumes so sometimes which is fun you're all ready you're writing and you get the responses back in the Q&A and it's oh gosh I don't want to bid on this anymore and you stop the process and other times you're like okay this is fine and then you move forward so moving forward means that you incorporate all of the responses to the Q&A into your beautiful document you have to again present pricing based on how they've asked for it there's typically um, this SF 1449 form that you have to fill out it seems like I can imagine being on the listening end thinking oh my gosh that sounds ridiculous and overwhelming and I cannot even believe this end of the day if it's worth something it takes some work if it were easy to be an entrepreneur or coach or to sell the federal government, everybody, nobody would be a rapper or in, in sports. Everybody like, I'm a government contractor. They'd be rolling around in tanks and stuff and have money phones on like a weapon. And that's not reality, right? It's an amazing place and it provides a lot of ongoing revenue, but there is some of this upfront work on the writing side. So once you get all of that nice and pretty, I always, have it submitted as, as PDFs is very important so that things can't be manipulated or things don't move. So you literally email the point of contacts, PDFs, as well as the pricing, which is usually in an Excel sheet. And then you sit back and wait. Sometimes it's within days. One proposal I submitted took a year to hear back. It, it really varies. But again, the reward is amazing what comes out of many of these opportunities. I'm glad that you had mentioned just how each one varies because instantly when I heard of the work, I was like, wow, that is very time consuming and you really have to know whether or not you really want to do contract work because even now just saying that it took you a year to hear back from just one of the bids, I think that it helps people really decide, okay, is that a space that I want to move forward in knowing the process and time and yes it has really great benefits but it does require what seems like most of your days working to actually win these contracts and adding to that this is why it's very important the upfront work is vital understanding what it really takes. 
which in many ways is, and, and I'm not an expert in, in what I'm about to say, but in many ways it's like the conversion of some kind of campaign. Maybe it's an ad you're running or a video you post and you're wondering, oh man, what is it going to take to get people to buy or for to get more clicks and likes? And then you figure it out and you're like, oh my gosh, that's great. I figured it out. And then you continue to repeat that until it doesn't work anymore. So that's like the federal government in many ways is you're trying to figure out what that winning formula is because there's so much front end work that you don't want to spend your days and nights writing all these documents and you're like, wow, I don't have any work. And then in addition, you have to build your pipeline. When I first started out, I taught online. I'd been teaching online as a 1099. That was pretty much my first kind of 1099 gig was online teaching. And I taught online. I couldn't give it up. That's a whole nother podcast episode. But I kept, I, I taught it online because psychologically I needed like a 1099 monies to come in as well as I needed a paycheck. I just needed it psychologically. And so I was never in a place where I, ne where I didn't have money coming in. I always had money coming in. And so then it was a matter of building the pipeline. So as you're figuring out that secret formula and you're potentially engaging with clients, you have to also build your pipeline and figure out what do I want my business to look like? Even if you're, a, if this is your gig, what do you want it to look like? Is it a certain dollar amount? Is it that you wanna be able to hire a virtual assistant? Is it you wanna bring on another coach? Is it that you want to pivot to staffing? And so you have to build that in, but that's again, no different than even if you aren't working with the federal government, you have to have a strategy for your business because if not, then it's just a hobby. Thank you for that. I think that's super important for the listeners to hear and understand, especially because what is the average percentage of people who actually end up receiving government contracts after bidding. Do you know that? You know, the stats, some stats that I've come across as a great question have been that the Small Business Administration estimates it can take 14 to 16 months to get your first contract. I know with some contract vehicles, maybe a little less than half haven't received a contract award on there. From what I've seen over the years, you have those who enter the space and may get a little something here or there. And then you have those who enter and then it's, oh, I don't know what to do. But again, it's like a gym membership where, oh, I paid the money, I joined. And I believe the statistics show over and over again that majority of people with gym memberships don't go. And it's not a ding against any gym. It's just part of how we are as humans. And so I look at it as it's not an issue with the government contracting system. It's just a matter of, oh my gosh, I have to figure this out. It's you're on some quest or something and you got to dissect all of this and <laughs> figure it out. And it takes a lot. And for some people, they're not willing or why should they if they have other work coming in? Or maybe it's just easier to have a full-time job. I don't know. But I have found that in those who are pretty resilient in this space, I found that they're at terms with their approach. Because there are those who I'm very familiar with 
who take the approach of, I never want to be a prime contractor. I just want to be able to make enough or meet my monthly amount. And I'm open to kind of moonlight, freelance, however. And they're crushing it. There are people my flagship company has partnered with for over 10 years. And they may work on one project with us a year or two a year, but they also have other efforts coming in. Then there are those that are like, look, I'm going to take this and just really grow it and do what I want to do. And, and that's what they do too. So it's this space where it's all up to you. It's definitely up to you how you want to move. Okay. And personal question, but you, you can tell yeah, me yeah. if you don't want to, or you could say you don't want to say it, but what was the biggest contract that you personally have won? Like oh, the 23 million. Oh, wow. And what was that like over a time span? It's a five-year contract. I st we still have it. Oh, okay. And and is that paid out over time, up front? Like, how does that work? So every contract is a little different. This one, it's paid a monthly amount. Over the period of five years? Over five years. Mm -hmm. So $23 million split up over five years. Theoretically. It's up to how much they want to spend. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how, or what is the biggest, goodness, I get <laughs> What is the biggest uh, contract that you've won for a client? Less than a million. Less than a million, okay. Less than a million I've won for a client. They have, the federal government's interesting where what's really important is the profitability. I'm all in on the profit. Because there are contracts that are, a quick example, we bid on a contract where I knew, I just knew the winning, I could have won if I would have bid at like $9 million. I knew it. It was a five-year contract. And, and I was like, but it's going to just put us in this place where it's not going to be extremely profitable. It would have involved a lot of work and attention because of the nature of the work. And I just put in my normal price and we didn't win and the winning price was 10 million. But again, that's what's really important. Having a big number is cool and it's awesome, but the profitability is, is amazing. I've had six figure contracts that have made a lot more than my early days and some of the other contracts. But yeah, I help people win a little less than a million. I've helped people with their questions about different contract schedules. I help people get registered. Because some people um, that I work with, they just want to get registered because they are still employed. And so they're not ready to jump ship, but they also need help trying to figure it all out. So I help them with the registration as well as guiding them and teaching them a lot of what we've talked about. Okay. And this leads me to another question as well. I've got tons of questions for you. <laughs> Because you said that you were doing online teaching. So now for federal contract or government contract work, once you've essentially been accepted, does it have to be in person or can people do these positions remotely? It depends. It depends on the requirement of the contract. It, it, it does. So let's take the like kosher potato chips it's kosher potato chips you're shipping them potato chips 
That's it. If it's some, and they, they buy all kinds of stuff. They buy a lot of books for bureaus of prison. So if you're selling them books, it's just, hey, no different than if you're selling through an Amazon or Walmart. When it comes to services, it also varies. For instance, my flagship company has had religious positions and they are typically in person, but when things happen with COVID, they allowed our religious team members to work virtually. I think they've changed a little bit of that, but it, it really depends on the requirement because some of these positions could be you are registering people into a system and printing a card. So you can't really do that virtually. So it, again, it's always about the, what the requirement is. There are times that you can also negotiate with them because that's something else that people, maybe it was just my own kind of block in my mindset is this belief that it's like black and white. Oh, it's federal government. Like it's the federal government consists of people. So it's, it's, they're just people like they're working for the government or they're serving in our amazing military or they're also another contractor, but they're human beings. So sometimes you can negotiate, which we've done where, um, out the gate with one agency requested that the position was virtual and they were cool with it. There have been times where the opposite has happened, where the position was virtual and the client made it very well known that it would be nice to have somebody in person. And so my flagship company paid for that person to live there for three months. So, you know, it really varies on the coaching, leadership, co you know, personal development side. It's all over the place. Sometimes it's in person, sometimes it's online, sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's in person and then they'll have people come in through their video conferencing system. Some agencies love the video conferencing system. And so you never know. Thank you for clarifying on that. And so you started out with federal, like bidding federal contracts by yourself and then you grew your company or agency essentially to multiple people am i correct 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 and so what does that process look like for somebody who wants to grow a company with more than just themselves to bid on multiple contracts i know this is probably <laughs> no this is a great question a big I mean question no, it's a, it's a great question in that, man, when I was going through it, it's when I look back, I'm like, I was so messy. I was so messy and so insecure and so coming from a place of scarcity. So the, the first thing during this whole journey is coming to terms that with who you are and your mindset and your belief in things are going to have a huge impact on your business, period. Doesn't matter who's your client, how many people you have or don't have, it doesn't matter. Is gonna have an impact. So when I first started out, it was me. It was me, I got a contract that was lit, like just a little less than six figures. It was a subcontract. I got it out the gate right before I graduated from my PhD program. And I brought on an unpaid intern because I was all about, let me keep it cheap. I have all the student loan debt. I had like almost $200,000 student loan debt, I think at that time. And so I was like, man, I'm broke and I'm single and Dr. Parks, woo, I was crazy. So <laughs> I was like, let me get an intern, let me get an intern. So 
what ended up happening was things started to really grow fast. And what really helped along the way, number one, is you need some kind of support mentorship. So what I ended up doing was I started asking people for help. And I still believe in this. And you ask people who you think are succeeding. But I want to caution, because you think they're succeeding or they put out that they're succeeding, you have to reflect on what does success look like to you. So it's something else to keep in mind. Because there were a lot of people I would, con I would connect with and I'm like, wow, I would go in their office and the office felt icky, like the vibes. Or I would see their pricing and I was like, oh my God, they don't pay anything. Like, or opposite, come across those where they're all happy-go-lucky and excited that they work at XYZ company. And, Ooh, I need to get to know that person. So I asked a lot of questions because I had no idea. I've always been entrepreneurial since I was a little girl, but I had no idea how to go from me to process procedures and bookkeeping and all of that. So what really took me to that next level was I joined this program called Athena PowerLink. It's a program for women. It's out of Orlando, Florida at Rollins College. There may be similar programs across the United States for men and women, or however you may define yourself. There are a variety of different programs out there. And what was cool about it is that you had to have at least a million dollars in sales at that time. This was a long time ago, because I went to a million dollars fast after a few years in business. And they helped with just some of the basics, like how to be an owner, how to be a CEO. Like I was missing all these basics. I really was. And so then that kind of took me to the next level of, okay, I got to fix the business model where I got to pivot from diversity and inclusion. I need something more broad. I need to have continuous revenue. I need to figure this out. So then it was like, okay, now I have employees. So how do I make that work? How do I keep clients? How do I grow clients? So then it was like moving to client relations. Then from there it was, okay, I need to grow even more. I need to figure out a way to ensure that the flagship company is operating how it should, but I also need to bring in new work. But what I did, and I was very purposeful, I paused on some business development areas because I had a situation happen where I just, people tried to do bad things and in reality it turned into blessings. And so when that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to really start getting more into the business because how did I allow all this stuff to happen? I didn't even know this stuff was happening. So then I paused the business development because I'm like, a lot of the things weren't profitable and it was just, I'm like, this isn't making sense. It's like the purple sock analogy. I'm not going to keep selling purple socks because I'm in love with purple and I am in love with purple. So then I, I paused. Then I started reflecting on where do I want to go? What am I looking for? So then in the federal government, you can have a formal mentor. It's, it's, it's really like you have a marriage, you have a formal mentor, and you can do all these things. So what was great about doing that is that she had over 200 employees, and she had all these systems and processes in place. So I was like, okay, that's the next step. So I created KPC Ways for core areas like project management, business development, HR, onboarding, all these different areas. And then she also provided some input. So then we um, added in, so we have 401k, we have an amazing healthcare plan, all of that really streamlined how people were paid. I had to adjust that to make sure we had the best cash flow situation. 
Also, I bid on work with her, which we won. And what was great about that is some of that work further led to an increased profit margin. So I also learned, I was like, it was a Dorothy moment. Like you learn like everything is with you and you to begin with. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can pay how I want to pay. I, I don't know why I'm trying to be everybody else and all these other companies. This is my company. So then we made this huge adjustment as far as how we paid for certain work efforts. And that had a tremendous impact. And then I also honed in on what are the kind of opportunities that make sense for the culture? So then the other big pieces, we came up with values. They're amazing. We have all of those. Redid the website. So in sum, with this kind of journey here is, number one, I went through this journey of, oh my gosh, I have this work. I have this money coming in. Whoa, what do I do? And while I was doing that, I also brought on private sector clients because I wanted to learn. I thought everybody else had the answer. Number two is I started to ask a lot of questions to figure out how are other people managing this? How are other government contractors or just consultants managing their consulting firms per se, these service-based industries? The third thing that I did was getting the um, help from Athena Powerlink, which was great to be around other women who have helped women with a million dollars in revenue grow. And I'm still connected to them to this day. And they gave me a board and it really helped take me to the next level. The next thing was having that formal mentor because then she helped me with things that you just don't know until like I would have nobody prepared me for in a phone call that one of my employees is, would wake up handcuffed to a bed or how to best handle, how to best review health insurance plans. I only knew how to look at a health insurance plan as an employee. I never knew how to look at it from the perspective as an employer or how to go about getting a 401k plan for my company. So that was really helpful. And then the processes and procedures were great. I worked with an amazing coach on that and that was amazing because not only did we need the processes and procedures, but we also needed accountability. And this is big. And I really want to hone in on this because I know I've said a lot. No matter your structure, if it's one or a thousand, if you don't have some type of like accountability or quality review in there, you're never going to know how people are really performing. Maybe you see the output, but you don't really know what all happened in between. And so a big component is we received this ISO certification that demonstrates that we have quality um, control procedures in place. We have these quality reviews. Everyone on the team is subject to a quality review at a said period of time throughout the year. And it's just been amazing because then things come to light and you can, we're more proactive. We're more, I always tell everyone to be like Tom Brady, sorry if you don't like him, but I do. And that is to be, you're, I'm like, you got to play offense. If you're constantly playing defense in your business, that's exhausting and you're not going to get anywhere and you might as well work for someone. So it's like always playing offense. So having the quality reviews, having the KPC ways, having all these policies and procedures, having the streamlined onboarding, having a culture in which everything feeds into the culture and the culture continues to grow everything around it is vital. So then the big crescendo is I turned over my companies to my team. And I said to them, I'm not really happy. And I'm like, everything is placed. You all have everything you need to do. You have everything. I'll be here. There's certain little things I work on. And I'm like, I want to go and pursue my passion around helping people in government contracting into GovCon winners. So then that's been flawless. There haven't been any 
issues of, oh, Kizzy's not around, what do we do? There's none of that because I removed the biggest obstacle and that was ego. Many people are afraid to step away from their company or to grow it. Oh, I, I just do it myself. Nobody can do it like me. Okay, maybe if this is like a rap song and you wanna throw some bars out there about this, perhaps. That's just, it's just such a limiting view. It's such a limiting view. And there's a lot of amazing people out there and they just need direction. They need a way, they need a quality, they need quality control. Nobody can read your mind. Maybe there's a psychic listening who's selling a little psychic course. Hey, that's good on you, that's great. But for the most part, we can't read each other's minds. So you have to let the ego go and you have to just let it be. Sometimes things are gonna happen or maybe somebody doesn't do something the way you would do it. Okay, whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as it's still within your way or the culture of your company, that's what's key. So it's been amazing. It's been the greatest thing ever because the, the hardest thing when you, especially for coaches and trainers, when you first start out, they love you. Nobody can do it like you. We just want to work with you. And then you fall into it like, oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. It's just me. <laughs> okay. But yeah, you got to have other people if you're looking to grow. Even if it's just one person, because then it's, I don't want Sandy. I don't want Samuel. I want you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want it to be me. I want more time with my kids. So you have to be very intentional and make sure that your clients realize and, and that you're not constantly the face with them. So that's also really important. And that's what's allowed me to be here with you today, to have the life that I have right now. I was super intentional along the way. I don't do client delivery. I haven't done client delivery in forever. That is amazing, especially because I feel called out about letting people help you. I am terrible with that. I hope, not I hope, I am working on 2022 ending the year where I have someone who helps me. I have and that's just personal like I have just a struggle letting go even though like I'm running at a million miles a minute trying to run even my podcast business everything else and yeah I think a lot of people who are listening were calling you out she called you out you've got to let go because yeah there are amazing people out there I think it's just the process of finding someone and being able to guide them and give direction and Maybe even it made me think of reflecting back on myself when I was like first entering the workforce. People were there guiding you, teaching you how to do the job. So it's just that willingness to teach somebody how to do it the way that you want to do it. So I love that. <laughs> and also giving yourself permission if you don't know the answer. That's really key. Because how... I didn't know what all went into HR, although I knew things from my educational experience. I knew things as a person who had worked at some online schools and in a call center and I interned at Lockheed Martin for three months. But I didn't know, like, I'm like, what does Google do? I don't know. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And But the beautiful thing is you create what you want it to be. So then you also have to let it go or you ask someone else, hey, what would you like this to look like? And realize that 
it doesn't have to be black or white. Like it's okay if it's gray or if it's okay if it's constantly in flux. That's the other big piece because it's, we get so used to we're the ones doing it and we're used to, we do it and we see the outcome and we do it and we see the outcome. And then you bring in another person and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to fit them in. I got to train them. And oh my gosh. And then it's okay. That's okay. Cause in the long run, it's really going to help you further grow if that's what you want. Because if you're cool just being you the greatest, they want you, then just be you. That's cool too. You don't have to bring anybody on. Yeah, my goal for 2022 is to get a personal assistant that is my my perfect match. And I think that for me, I'm manifesting that, <laughs> especially because of the conversations I've been having lately. And I'm just like, it'd be nice to have somebody who knows the realm and space that I need somebody to plug into. And I'm not spending hours trying to learn that thing, which was exactly how you're talking about like HR and different practices. So Absolutely love that advice. Now, after someone has been chosen for a federal government contract, even say like your client has been chosen for the contract they bid for, is there like a process afterwards that goes after that that they have to do? Or do they immediately just start the work? There's a process and this is one that you get to create in many ways. Typically, once you win the work, you're going to have two type of kickoff calls. You're going to have an internal kickoff call with those who are involved with the work. If it's just yourself, you may not need a call with yourself, but you're going to, you're going to need to go over things with your team so that they're aware of what, is enta what it entails, things of, of that nature. And then commonly within three to 10 days, you will have a formal kickoff call with the client. It's usually a phone call. Sometimes it's in person. It again is based on the client. Usually it's the main person with the company, the client, and maybe if you have somebody else on the call. If it's a services situation, usually your full-time equivalents of people you're staffing aren't on the call unless they explicitly request to talk to them. If it's more of a delivery, so for instance, let's say you win an opportunity to provide a year-long training program that involves coaching, they may ask that you have a coach on the call or one of the trainers on the call. They may ask for something like that, or you may ask them. But what's key is it's not just a formal, hey, let's go through the contract. What does this say? But it also starts, you're starting to plant the seed for your client relations because there are people involved in every step of this. So you want to make sure that they see that they made a great choice with you. You're going to need to, number one, not only go over everything, but set up your communication battle rhythm. How often do you want us to talk? How, you know, I see that you want monthly reports. I see you don't want monthly reports. How do you want the monthly reports? Do you want monthly reports? It's things of, of that nature because you're showing them that you're a team player. And then they may talk to you about, for full-time equivalents, the rules of that particular base or post. They may talk to you about how they, can, they will communicate. You also want to exchange information. It's always helpful if they're open to have their cell phone numbers. Typically they will, but some agencies they're not. They may just give you their you know, main business number. And then also you want to talk to them and bring up 
invoicing. But you're going to only want to bring up invoicing if you don't have other team members on there because you're, you don't want people that you're paying to necessarily know how much you charged. So you, you're going to want to at least have conversations around, oh, I see that I am to use, it's the acronym is PIE, P-I-E-E. I'm to use the PIE system. Just want to confirm. Typically, we will send the invoice to the contact. In addition to putting it in PIE, are you okay with it? So again, you're playing offense. You're hitting all of the key things, the contract, making sure that you're communicating with them how often they want, the way that they desire it. You're talking about invoicing because you're a business. You have to get paid and you can't just assume you do the work and it falls out the sky. There's different um, payment methods that the or in platforms that the federal government uses. So it's important to have those conversations up front because sometimes those invoicing systems are a little off or, oh, I didn't know you submitted an invoice and you're like, oh my God, I need my money. So you want to have these kind of tough conversations. And then lastly, you just, along the way, you're wanting to get to know the person. We're not robots. So if they're open to it, you got to feel out the person, but get to know them. Are they, learn more about them. They, they may tell you about their spouse or whomever, or kids or pets or none of that, or just talk about being in North Carolina. I don't know, but you want to get to know the person too, because you're forming this relationship with them with the hope that they're going to continue to add work. So in many ways, it's almost like winning a political election. So you, your mayor, and now you like, as soon as you won, you're like, man, I got to start campaigning to win again. It, it's really, that's the point because they know that there's thousands and thousands of contractors out there and they can replace us at any moment. So the same thing with elections. Don't assume because you're the incumbent that you're going to win that re-election. You never know what's going to happen. So the same happens. So it's a matter of that client relations. And then also one other meeting you may have is you may have another internal meeting with the team so that they're aware, hey, I had the kickoff call. Here's what I learned. Here's what we need to go forward. And then you move forward with your battle rhythm for project management when it comes to the team. But that continuous line of communication is important. Oh, I will add this other thing. It seems very minor, but it's still important. And that is with the federal government, they use a variety of technology like we all, but at the same time, they have different rules and regulations. So you also may want to check, especially for those of you who have never really worked federal government before, how they will, if technology is involved, talk to them about it. Is the, are the, the government, are you issuing this? Can you guys use thumb drives? Do I just have to use DVDs? How are you with emailing certain attachments? Or if you have to go on site to facilitate, don't assume that they have Wi-Fi, a projector, a screen, tables, and flip charts. You have to ask all of these things. You have to assume nothing. And there have been situations where, man, early on, I made a lot of assumptions and showed up to a room and I was like, wow. And I learned I got to do show up a day early to make sure you have everything. Because if not, it's just doing a lot of that. But it's the fun part. You get to do the work. Yeah, I love. Thank you so much. This was so insightful for people who may have not known anything at all about federal contracts, working for the federal government. Personally, I work for the Navy, so I totally got that reference in the end where you were like, 
it's, things might, might not be there, might be there. You don't know. Just show up a day early and bring everything you've got because that is the absolute truth. After my years in the Navy, I can really attest to that. Um, but I just wanted to ask you one last closing question that I'm asking everyone all season, which is what is a non-negotiable in your day that sets you up for success? What sets me up for success? Ooh, so many. Like it's sun time right now. Like sun time is really important. So, so I live in a, a space where I have like floor to wall to floor, wall to floor, floor to, to ceiling. There we go. You know what I mean? ceiling to floor to ceiling glass and so sun time when it's sunny out i'm on the couch i have the shade up and the sun blasting in my face and i love it because then i'm in the sun but i'm not sweaty like when you go to the beach and you, i hate and you get all sweaty i don't want to walk home all sweaty it's just how i am so i'm on the couch with my air conditioning on and the sun blasting on my face and then i keep up my nice golden glow that is a non-negotiable I have got so many different answers for that, but that one has to be the best. Sun time, yes. It's the best. It's starting soon, too. Yeah, I live in San Diego, so 95% of the year it's sunny here, and I'm always outside, so I'm totally for time in the sun. And so how can my listeners find you, work with you, connect with you if you have LinkedIn? Yeah. So definitely check out my YouTube channel. So it's Kizzy Parks. You'll see the one with the cute banner that starts off with government contracting. So check out my videos there. Yeah, it's a new channel. It's growing. Help me out. Take a look, please. Also, you can connect with me. You can DM me on LinkedIn. So it's Kizzy Lightbulb. You'll see a light bulb. M Parks, you can't miss me. I have blonder hair, but I'm pretty much look the same. Uh, so you can DM me there. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Kizzy M is in Marie, Kizzy M Parks. I'm on all three. You can DM me on those too, but sometimes they'll filter it to a junk folder and I won't get it for days. On LinkedIn, they don't do that. If you DM me on LinkedIn, I will definitely get a message from you. Or if you write a, literally, if you write a comment, in on one of my YouTube videos and you're like, hey, I heard you on the podcast, I'd love to connect, I will respond to you. My email, lastly, you're welcome to email me, it's long, this morning y'all, it's kparks, like Kizzy Parks, at govconwinners.com. That email's also on my YouTube channel, but the fastest way, just go on YouTube, write a comment, I will respond, I'll also respond to all DMs on LinkedIn. Love to connect, however it can be of help. What's most important is to help you to answer your questions super important oh and one last thing oh my goodness there's wait wait there's more you can check out profitablecontracts.co profitablecontracts.co and you're going to get a cool little free download that gives you some things to avoid doing in government contracting check it out i'm here for you i'm excited it's such a blessing and you are such a fabulous podcast host so Everybody, y'all better listen, review, give her five stars. This is an amazing episode. 
Thank you for that. No, this was jam packed with so much information. So I'm really excited. Like even personally, I'm like, oh, wow, I learned so much today. So thank you for coming on to the podcast. And for listeners, I'm going to leave all of her information in the show notes. So that way you can just go right into the show description and click on her links and you can easily get in contact with her. And again, I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your busy day and coming on to the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. This has been such a blessing. I appreciate you.